0: It is very weird. I It's like one of those things where it's like I understand the decision for it and like the narrative like choice to like hold off on with info on that character. You know what I mean? Until late in the game. But as a result, it just makes maybe on a rewatch then it, things would be, you know, more we'll click terrible. a little more. Yeah. But yeah. A, as it stands, like it was just a movie that I just did not have a good time watching. You know what I mean? And, and it's not supposed uh, to be that. Like, I'm not saying every right. movie has to be a good time, clearly. But it just, like, yeah. it hit me in a way where I was like, this is just, it's a lot of bleak stuff, and I don't feel like the emotional payoff was, like, like warranted feeling that bad for that long. You know what I mean? Um, okay. If that makes any kind of sense. I also just thought, like, it just was a drab-looking movie and, like, you know... The one, it the is, one location, just kind of—it's a play, so like you know, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. It is odd. I was wondering on my second watch because I went with Brittany to the theater again, and if it was like, are is the projector just not turned up enough? Like it's so <laughs> dark in most of it. Yeah, but then like once it gets to the end and it is like fully bright, like it's it's for a reason that it's yeah. supposed to be that color grade. And you're really not supposed to see as well. Also, I feel like that can help with makeup and to making it more realistic. Because that was a lot of my second viewing was like, where are the seams in the fat suit?
0: Yeah, I mean, hey, on that front, that looks fantastic. Who knows how much longer we're still going to be doing this fat suit stuff for actors, though. Because, like, that's like we're at a breaking point with that. You know, it's just like um, I was seeing a tweet that somebody pointed out that, like, so many there's like four movies nominated for best makeup effects with a fat suit it's like the batman uh the whale elvis and there's one more yeah. i can't think of it um well it, it's fun with elvis that there's two different ones there's two. That it's like yeah fat elvis
1: and then just well and tom it's Hanks the fat
0: the fat elvis too. colonel tom parker the fat elvis too felt like a rush job compared to parker you know well, yeah, because you only need it for so long. Yeah, that one was weird, but the Parker one is great. Uh, <laughs> there was one. What is the last one I'm thinking of with the fast? It doesn't matter. Anyway, um, so you, I don't think I, I have a feeling that's not going to be a trend for much longer. I feel like there's enough voices saying like, hey, we have heavier actors <laughs> who like need these good roles. You know, like I always think about um, Gabris and uh And Mitch talking about like yeah we go to audition and it's like hey your character is like fat disgusting slob number three and your job is to fart and fall on a box of you know pizza or whatever like it's
1: played for comedy yeah
0: exactly it's like why can't we give these guys serious dramatic roles like this you know not that Hanks has played a serious dramatic character or that Colin Farrell is whatever but like you know Danny DeVito was our previous penguin and now it's Colin Farrell it
1: yeah, you know, it comes down to skill as well. Like you want yeah. someone with that can ha, that has the range of a Brendan Fraser, but you know, you're not gonna find a six hundred pound guy that can emote the way well, hey, maybe wants you can. You over I mean,
0: like maybe you can. The Softie the Softie brothers and Sean Baker are two examples of like you know directors that can pull out incredible performances from regular everyday people who aren't even actors. Like, you don't, like, I think what I love so much about their movies, or one of the things I love about their movies is that, like, it is it is kind of shining, like, a light on the bullshit of, like, oh, we need somebody with, like, you know, this technique and acting. Like, sure, maybe you do for some circumstances, but you can get incredible material out of people who have never acted in their lives. Like, it's completely possible. So, I don't know. You know, what? It, it's it's a weird debate. I think there's maybe room for both versions of this of, like, maybe we will have some versions of the fat suit. Like, the Elvis one, to me, makes sense, because, like, are you, you going to recast for, you know, 50, like, ten minutes each, of screen each time? Iteration? yeah that Yeah, right. that and one, to me, know, makes sense.
1: Yeah. It's the same with Penguin. Like, I feel like, you know, Colin Farrell has that... Uh, pizzazz to sure. pull off that role, but you need like a more portly fellow. It was also very weird to me in the Gotham show. I didn't watch a lot of it. But he's, he never got. They have it. a very, yeah. yeah, he's a very skinny kind of guy who like had weird leg problems, and so he shuffled
0: like a penguin,
1: and that's how he
0: got. The and name. That, that's fine enough for me. Like, I don't know if you have does a defining feature of the character needs to be that he's like overweight, like. Gotham was a stupid ass well, show, but that's not one of their dumber it decisions. Was very.
1: <laughs> you know, uh, Jada Pinkett playing Fish. what was it? Like Fish
0: Mooney? Yeah, Fish Mooney. <laughs> Original character Fish. Yep. <laughs> yeah. She wasn't that bad, I remember. Well, I only watched the first couple episodes, but I remember thinking she was not one of the problems I had with it. It's it it got bizarre.
1: I know she like leaves for a little bit and then comes back in season 2, if I remember correctly, yeah. and then you're like
0: no, this is still bad, still weird, and it's like she came but, up with the name of the character and the entire conceit of it and everything. <laughs> I yeah. think so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh man, well,
1: what are you gonna do? You did miss the uh, great scenes with Michael Chicklis, and I can't remember the main guy's name. You know, Jim playing right Gordon, uh, right Gordon, and they have a they have a scene where like Chicklis is like, "I loved you like a son." And they're just they're screaming back and forth at each oh, other. It's tickless. pretty great. Yeah. The thing. The only thing in my heart.
0: I know, right? Yeah. Who, Jamie Bell is the other one, I think, right? Eh. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I never saw it. We'll so. see. But I, I like Jamie Bell, though. I think Jamie Bell's fine. But um, that's strange, strange casting. Uh, Yeah. You know, the way, like, I don't hate it. I don't think it's, like, a terrible, awful movie or anything. It was just, like, I don't think I got enough out of it to warrant it being that bad fucking sad and miserable you know it's like I understand sure. I, I'm a huge Moby Dick fan too I love Moby Dick and I love um, the central conceit of that movie is that like there's this essay about Moby Dick that he loves it's a big part of it and I I thought that the you know the points that were brought up about Moby Dick through that writing was really good and I was like you know what that is interesting and I really like the the thought about that and I think that uh, if you now if I reread Moby Dick with that in mind I would get something else out of it. I would have a different perspective on right. it. So I appreciate it for that reason. I just don't think that I got enough out of the entire human drama to like, yeah. <laughs> to to me,
1: it was each character was perfectly exhibiting how we're all our own worst enemies. And that, that too. They were that, yeah. creating all of these situations. And I really loved Hong Chao's performance. Yeah, she was. Of, she was awesome. Like, yeah. She, she's really torn about it, but she's also enabling him continuously throughout yeah. the film. Right. And like when he starts choking and like she even gets mad at him and then like like kind of realizes that, you know, it's all part of her as well. And then she just hands him the the sub again. And I'm just like, you feel that real heartbreak. Yeah. I, uh I, well, I definitely eat my feelings. So that was there's a lot in that movie where I'm like, God damn, I understand that. Uh, that pool to
0: like grab a candy bar
1: and just shove it in your face as quickly as possible yeah
0: oh totally i mean like i i suffer from that like i it's so bad especially at work we uh my first year there which is in 2018 for halloween they added a little spooky candy bowl cauldron in the hallway right it was such a hit that that thing has just never been empty since it was put out in twenty. Oh no! Ever, oh, just no. once a week, somebody comes by and just dumps a bag of assorted candy into it, and it's just it's always there. It's this like thing that haunts me anytime I'm at work. And I, ca- I gave into it all the goddamn time. Just like, oh, slightly bored? Let's go grab a handful of candy. Hey, you want to celebrate getting something done quickly? Let's go grab some candy. Hey, did something just went shitty in a meeting or something? Let's go grab some candy. I like need some Twix. Yeah, exactly. It's right. it's always there. So, like, I understand it. And, like, I- I've i struggled with, like, overindulging my whole life, too. So, you know. Um yeah, that's the thing. I thought that like its depiction of somebody in that situation was fairly even-handed and like you know sympathetic for the most part. The only thing though, they crank up those like disgusting mouth noises when he is eating to an insane well, sure. degree. Like it is so uh, like when she you know, brings it's like, that yeah. bucket of fried chicken and he's just arm. arm that's arm. that was the one thing where it's like okay, we're meant to be disgusted by him here, and. I get, but it went into like, it went, that was a little overblown for me, you know. <laughs> well, speaking of overblown,
1: let's hey. get into it because <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is quite a movie to discuss and we need a, an appropriate amount of time. Welcome to The Weekly Podcast Massacre. I am your host. I am Michael from Portland. Everyone calls me Murphy. I have a lovely co-host with me. Hi, I'm Greg from Los Angeles. How's it going? And we talk about horror movies every week with a new theme every month. We are in the middle of Maniac March. We're talking about serial killers who have no supernatural aspect to them. There is nothing supernatural in this movie. Maybe a little surreal at times uh, due to like heavy hands of satire. That's right, we're talking about... The John Waters 1994 Masterpiece (laughs) Serial Mom.
0: Uh, It comes
1: in at 95 minutes. It's from Universal and
0: Savoy Pictures. You had never seen this before, correct, Greg? I had it, yeah. This is only the third John Waters movie I've seen, despite being a fan of the guy John Waters for a long time. Right. Yeah. I... I was kind of coming along the similar
1: route of. Uh, I don't think I've seen too many John Waters films. I know I've seen Cry Baby. I saw A Dirty Shame, and maybe one or two others. But this one really started stirring something in me. I need to go and watch as many of them as I can. I I need to see wow.
0: how he got to this point. So you haven't seen Pink Flamingos or like Female Trouble. Because those, no. those are the other Polyester. two I've seen. Yeah, I've seen Female Trouble, and uh, I, I saw at a double screening, a double feature at the New Beverly, with a good friend of mine. I saw um, Pink Flamingos and uh, Female Trouble, and my friend was a—he's a fucking huge John Waters fan. I think he's seen everything, and he uh, got a kick out of a quote that I—I I, something I said to him after Pink Flamingos, where I turned him and we was over, and it's like. I think we just witnessed a crime, like, on screen, like, multiple <laughs> sure. crimes, and he was just like, he, right. he was like, we did, we absolutely witnessed crimes, like, he straight up did illegal things in Pink Flamingos and put it on, up on screen, like, you know, it, it's fucking crazy, um, I'm wearing a shirt with Pink Flamingos, I put it in right before we started record in, in solidarity, Beautiful. um, so when did you first, like, come to know about John Waters, like, when did you first come <sighs> across your radar? Well, I mean, I'm I must have seen
1: this. This had to have been like on Showtime or some other movie channel growing up cuz I it must have been like 97, 98 maybe, yeah. so like 11, 12, 13, I see this movie and I watch it multiple times. It's one of those like kind of guilty pleasures. I I didn't fully understand everything about it right but it was like i knew there was gold in here and at some point my subconscious would like start trying to claim these things um <laughs> as like you know inspiration for humor and or ideas or just a, like a general uh idea of of like again the satire of of commenting on america in this very funny and weird way yeah
0: that's that's cool. That's interesting. So th- this was your this was your first sin. This was your your first exposure. It must have been, wow. Yeah, I can't think of any other ones that I
1: would have watched beforehand. I, Cry Baby, I didn't see until like maybe seventeen or eighteen. A Dirty Shame, whenever it came out, was like mid two thousands, right? I want to say, and I think that was a lot of like, whoa, Johnny Knoxville's in it. And that, that's his and last then, one, right? I think maybe. Um, and then on the poster, Selma Blair has like the most gigantic bosoms you will ever see <laughs> until like, you know, like 50 minutes into this movie, honestly. Oh yeah, Jesus.
0: Yeah. Um that's cool. For uh the longest time for most of my life, uh I thought John Waters was just a one-off Simpsons character created for the Simpsons because of his Simpsons appearance. Sure. I I you know literally had zero idea that it was a real person. That that might have been my first yeah.
1: Uh, like interaction with him But yeah. yeah that is a great episode But
0: I yeah I loved that episode I thought that character was so funny And I'm not even joking about this This is straight up Just a true fact about me But that this was This is how you learned
1: about gay people
0: no, no I mean I knew about gay people But I'm not even joking But that that episode did Because I, I grew up Not that my My family was never Express homophobic or anything Like I, I won't say that But I did grow up Going to Catholic mass every Sunday and that topic would come up, and I wouldn't say there was ever a period in my life where I was just like, "This is true, gay people are bad." But I would hear it, and I would kind of be like, you know, like, "Well, I guess that's what the church says." I wouldn't like; it would it never really made sense to me. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm not trying to give myself like pat's in the back or anything. That's saying like I disagreed from the <laughs> sure. jump. But I'm like, as a as a little little kid, hearing about this, I was just kind of confused about it. I was like, I didn't really understand how two people being gay could, like, anger God. You know what I mean? Like, it never really made sense. I don't, But I wasn't, like, I love gay people. Right? I, I wasn't like that. But then seeing that episode of The Simpsons over and over, it did, like, humanize, like, the way they humanized John Waters in that and the way that they show Homer as being really stupid for being homophobic. Like, it did <laughs> yes. kind of, like, teach me something. You know what I mean? Um so they I, were good at that. Yeah. yeah. So for the longest time, I thought he was just a character they created. And then I'm watching the Colbert Report one day with my dad. And they say John Waters is on. And the second I see him and hear his voice, I'm like, that's the Simpsons guy. Like, he's a real person. What the hell? <laughs> and then I was like, right. and I was like, wait, were they like parodying him? Or is that? And then it was actually him. And then he was promoting um, a new book of his. And. Just ever since then, he was so funny. Just even in that interview, I was like, I have to know more about this guy. And so I kind of learned about yeah. who he was. I heard all of the controversy around Pink Flamingos, and like, you hear about the, the what the stuff they do in that movie, and, right? It like it permeates pop culture. Yeah. Like I was talking to Brittany about
1: it, and I was like John Waters, and she didn't know who that was. I was like, Well, he did a bunch of movies with Divine, and she goes. Oh, the person who ate dog shit, and I'm like, <laughs> that was in a John Waters
0: film. Yeah, yeah. so you you kind of do know. I feel like the other one to bring it to is hairspray, right? Because hairspray feels right. like it had some mainstream appeal. Um, it was very commercial. Like yeah, a Broadway show. The Broadway the show. Remake the remake was with big. John Travolta. Yeah, I feel like that was yeah. like a big deal. Almost, I don't know how much money it made, but I feel like it. It was noticed, I guess. Um, there, I mean, because there were so many people in it, like yeah. James Marsden, and I, I, uh, I have seen that. Bynes, yes. That was a big one. Bynes was a big one because she was still like kind of big for before our she went she, crazy. Yeah, she was still like a right. big name for our, our for our time. Yeah. Um yeah. I, I have seen an adaptation of uh hairspray in high school. <laughs> my my high school did okay. it. Okay.
1: Yeah. I wanna we'll get into other recommendations, but you you brought up something that I wanna just already hit on. Uh just talking about how great of a satire this movie is. You were talking about going to church and yeah. them, you know, pontificating oh, on that, gay people. That hit me hard. But there's... Yeah, there's that scene. The scene where they go to church. And, you know, it, it seems to be Catholic, but they just say Christian. It, but it had a very... But Waters Catholicism grew, up, Waters grew up Catholic. to it. Yeah. Right, right. But the idea of the sermon being about capital punishment and the priest basically saying, well... Jesus didn't say anything about it on the cross. That would have been the time to do he, it. Yeah. If he was ever going to, and since he didn't, we should just be okay with it. Okay, great. Let's pray. Like <laughs> that, that is so biting yeah. about how all of these religious fanatics are is they will justify whatever thoughts or opinions they have and they will twist themselves to the point of saying, well, Jesus didn't say it when he was actually being executed. So, you know, yes. should we believe any other thing that he ever said?
0: <laughs> yeah, pretty pretty great. I will, I'm going to preface by saying, um, to prepare for this, I watched the movie twice. And I also just, uh, I, I redeemed the credit, the Audible credit for this years ago and never got to it. But I had John Waters' book, Role Models. On Audible. Okay. So I I blazed through that this weekend. I like I just put it on while I was driving doing the things was just listening to John Waters talk about that. There's a lot of cool stuff that comes up in the book that relates to this movie. So I'm just gonna say I'm gonna have a little bit of some little extra facts in there. uh But yes, he went to Catholic right, school great. as a kid, and so that scene it hit me before I even read the book before I listened to the book because growing up Catholic myself. And then after reading his book, I'm like, "Oh, this is great! Like this is this scene is really special. It's
1: yeah. it's gold. Yeah, yeah. Let's do some cast, and then we'll give some recommendations sure. on horror. Uh, this movie stars Kathleen Turner as Serial Mom, uh, also known as Beverly Sutphin. It's a really weird last name. I don't I know. think I've ever heard that. I like it though. Any other type of thing? Yeah. Uh, you have the great Sam Waterston as Eugene Sutphin, her dentist husband. Matthew Lillard as chip sutfin all oh, right uh, I had no idea son. he was in this what a treat yeah and he's he's really good his first movie uh you have Ricky Lake as Misty Sutfin her daughter and then there's Justin Whalen as Scotty Burnhill yep um there's a bunch of other people like her neighbors all the people she kills yeah but it also contains uh, some wonderful, wonderful cameos that unfortunately, we'll get to them as they come up, but unfortunately the titles in the beginning of the movie give all of them away.
0: Yeah, what are you going to do It's, that? it's, it's a real
1: heartbreak. But as they show up, it is really fun to be like, oh, that person. Yeah. And specifically one that's at the very end, I remember her death. Like the whole thing, the don't wear white before yes. or after Labor Day. I had I had no idea that was a thing until I saw this movie, and the whole idea that the person that it's happening to—that is crazy—is yeah. like <laughs> a, like a very big h- historical figure is kind of like a pop culture figure, right? In the I, crime I, I would say I mean American twentieth well.
0: century figure, honestly, right? I mean, right, like it was right. a big like, fucking news
1: story, yeah. Exactly, um, and, and then just to have them randomly be juror number right. eight. It's because because Waters so and funny. her
0: are friends, and that, and that ties into so much other stuff about this movie I want to talk about. And things he gets into really into detail about in his book too. So like, it was a, I, I just kind of arbitrarily listened to role model because I had it, and I wasn't expecting it to relate to serial moms as much as it did. And it's not like he name drops it a lot, but like just the way he talked about certain people in that book. Versus the portrayal of Beverly in this movie. I'm like, oh, this is really fucking interesting. Yeah. Exactly. And it's fun
1: that, like, there's so many big names in this movie. Like, yeah. just those, you know, f- uh, four that I named at the top. Like, they're all really big movie stars. Yeah. Sam Waterston, I don't know, movie star. He's definitely a TV Oh, he's around in such great
0: stuff. That, I mean, like, he's a recognizable he's, face and name, yeah. I'd say. Um, right. Justin Whelan, they got, you know, they they got... Uh, Andy version 2 from Child's Play 3 in this movie, you know? And he's wearing, <laughs> like, he's wearing camouflage pants. The, the camo pants yeah. <laughs> the whole time, even in church. Uh,
1: okay, Greg, uh, anything you saw, watched, read this week? You did listen to the John Waters book. Yeah, I am mean, gonna guess that's my recommendation. Is, that's
0: a big one is role yeah. models. I thought it was great. Um, I feel like there's a couple times in the book that it, it gets a little, like, in the weeds on certain things, but it makes sense, too. It's him talking about, like people that have inspired him throughout life and he gets into like it ranges from like little richard to like these two very obscure gay pornographers that he was really into and he gets into into crazy detail about the gay pornography too it's like be prepared for that if you're listening to it or reading it um but like that's a fascinating book I, i thought it was pretty interesting and kind of inspiring um the people he pulls from that and like uh you know people it's like he gets so deep into like people he just knew growing up in baltimore too and like getting into the details of their lives and things like that so like um and one of them was a direct he said was probably the biggest inspiration for beverly Sutton. like he straight up said that in the book for one of the people uh, i'll talk about her a little later i guess so um i love that oscar journey i loved elvis i thought that was such a great time and still sad i was crying at the end like that one moved me way more than the whale actually did honestly um and i've been listening to a shitload of elvis since then um yeah
1: i was always a big fan so it was it was uh interesting seeing it and it's such a it's such a wonderful framing device that Worman came up with i right yeah you can't just do a like straightforward elvis like biopic it makes so much sense to use it through colonel tom parker and how he's using elvis
0: yeah uh, for his own game incredible performance from hanks too just like he's got his fucking finger on the trigger and he knows exactly when to deploy the weird comedy of the character while also right. never making you like him he's never likable but he is a funny presence even as he is like actively sabotaging elvis you know like just the way he holds the cigar yes. is just like
1: captivating my favorite scene in
0: the movie oh uh, sorry go uh, ahead you finish that no, yeah, go ahead. sorry no
1: you can finish uh, I, uh, you. I was just i was just thinking like how much money you lose on gambling when you make like a 50 cents of every dollar elvis ever made yeah like that's insane to me yep lost more money than we will ever see in our entire How many life? years did
0: they spend at the International Casino performing? Like How much money that must have brought in? And he is right, like, like still in debt year by after the end year. of it. Yeah. Um, fucking insane. But my favorite scene in the movie is the Christmas special when it's like Elvis oh, yeah. is just like I'm going to do what I want and he's like you know alright bring in the whorehouse dancers. Whorehouse dancers! It's like his reaction to everything. Kung fu fighters <laughs> what? Like it's so good oh my god uh i i love it um no i thought i thought that was great and it's like for a movie that is just essentially a series of montages like you can't get anyone better than boz lurban for that and they're all excellent and um i don't know this is much of a stretch but like i could feel the brian de palma influence anytime they're doing a performance and you have all the different like sections of the screen dedicated to different parts of elvis's life like that is fucking awesome that's such a great idea um so I really liked Elvis. I, I guess uh, I also watched Woman Talking, which was fine. I think um, like it's a it's a powerful movie, even though the movie itself is like.
1: could It's been a little better. dull.
0: could have been better made. Yeah. Which. Yeah. I know. Look, I like Sarah Paul. We're two. I <laughs> really do. So I know we're two heterosexual men discussing this film about like, you know, women uh, implicitly. But like. That's just a, that's just how I felt about it. Like I I get what they were going for with the color grading on it, but it just didn't result in a very like yeah. I, it didn't work for me. It was a little distracting.
1: One of the things that I was reading about with it is that in the in the actual book, it is Ben Binwasha's character that is narrating. Oh, okay. And I kind of wish they had kept that because it is an interesting like comparison of a woman a, a book. And movie titled "Women Talking," yeah, and the narrator is a man. Like, I think it, it's, I think that says something, yeah, about. I it. thought Wishaw was great. Even I think I remember
0: so. you, you, you mentioned his performance in a previous episode, and yeah, he was great. I really yeah. liked him. Um, I also, th- I think I was looking into the real life version that happened, and it's I in I th- Bolivia. I think they, but right? I think they ended up whitewashing a bunch of characters too. It's all white women in the movie, I mean, yeah, and yeah, in, in the actual story, it's like, oh, there were like. It was, like, mixed race. Like, it was not all white women. Right. Which, that is a baffling yeah. choice to me. Well, it's an interpretation or an yeah. adaptation of sure. that story. They just made it in America. Right. Uh, but it was interesting. I mean, it was fine. I, I I feel like I liked the dialogue, even though it felt out of place for those characters, too. You know? I, I think the most powerful scene to me... I, is it is it Rooney Mara? Is that the yeah. one
1: that's in it? Or... Okay. When she's talking about it, it's like, you know, maybe... Maybe one day, like, we'll forgive them and, like, pity them. And, like, it's the understanding of, you know, not a lot of people wake up and, like, are going to be, I'm going to be the worst person imaginable. Like, it's usually kind of set in you from at some point in time. And to her, like, kind of understanding of, like, you know, they're in pain as well. Like, that's why they lash out and do things. And again, like, we should pity them. Right. And then maybe one day, like, we can really forgive them
0: That's gonna and be a, love them. I'm going to transition with that like, back to Serial Mom in a moment. But, like, uh, I'm just talking about my favorite piece of dialogue in that is from uh, Claire Foy, which she gives this really good monologue about how, like, gosh, I wish I could remember the exact details of it. But she ends it with this just really powerful moment where she, like, breaks in the middle of her sentence, which is, like, full of anger and rage. And then just, like, this, like, heaviness takes her where she's like, I would not yeah. allow them to harm my four-year-old, four-year-old child or something like that. And that, it, hey, look, for all that movie, for all I were saying, how it could be better, I cried at that point. Like, that was so fucking powerful. So there there really A is of, something yeah, to that movie. Those performances. I, I feel like right. I'm downplaying what I think of it, because it, it is very good. I I would say it is very, very good. It's just there are things about it that bump me that keep it from being like, great, you know. But to, to transition to Serial Mom that discussion well, let, about the people who hurt people let me give my recommendation yes i'm sorry yeah
1: uh the, you know we're still so we're on the road to the oscars i'm yep, trying yep. to cross off everyone i went to see rrr um oh, it's pretty phenomenal on the big screen it's it's insane i i took a a very large edible so there were times like after the intermission when it's like kind of lowing i'm like oh my eyes are getting heavy But anytime there's action, it's just electrifying. It's great. They could have taken like 15 extra minutes and just wrapped it up like as the intermission happens. Sure. But there's just so many amazing action set pieces. Like one of the first ones is a guy fights like 300 people. It is (laughs) insane. It is like just one of the craziest things I've ever seen. And it's... It's also very funny and touching, and the dance scenes are amazing. Like, Natu Natu will win at the Oscar. I have no doubt about it. It was just insane to me. That's the only thing it got nominated for was yeah. a Best Original Song.
0: Well, I, I think so. I think I feel like a, I've heard the the way that F- Best Forward like Fi- Picture works is that the, the country decides on what to one. submit. Right, they put up one. Yeah. And so India decided, for whatever reason, to go with a different movie. Um, insane. Yeah, I feel like the same thing happened a couple years ago where France didn't put up um portrait of a lady on fire. Where it's like oh, they, okay. they went with something else instead. There's some weird. I don't. I mean, that's the whole thing. There's there's some decision made by somebody somewhere, and they it just con- is confusing to me. But I'm sure there is some reason because like RRR was such a big like hit among critics here, and I feel like I heard about some everyday people talking about it a little bit um co-workers of mine but also i work in tv so i'm uh maybe i'm a, I'm a it's an outlier yeah you're that's a skewed view maybe <laughs> yeah. it
1: was that they thought well it could have uh, a best picture nomination and right so we'll submit this other for international
0: maybe uh, yeah i don't know i don't know how that works I, I i'm not uh, totally certain but i but i it's need good. to see if you it can
1: see it on the theater you should go see it
0: yeah i hope it stays in, in theaters for another weekend maybe um we'll see
1: okay let's talk about this quote-unquote based on a true story tale of beverly sutphen aka serial mom let's do it man yeah so this story takes place in baltimore or like a suburb of
0: baltimore yeah baltimore Yeah. yeah a lot of his movies do it's where he grew
1: up obviously we have an idyllic house. It's it seems to be a perfect family and uh we already see things that are not quite as they seem as a mere housefly is driving Kathleen Turner's Beverly Sutphin insane. Um she's not paying attention to Sam Waterston talking about how the hillside strangler just got his degree in jail and uh her quote is, "Well, everyone has their bad days." <laughs>
0: So, okay, this is good because um, we talked about, you mentioned in in Women Talking that line about we should pity them and you don't wake up wanting to do people harm and things like that. So Waters as a person, he says it again and again in his book um, in many different ways, but he is somebody that absolutely believes in like uh, reformation of people and like um, this idea that like, you know, there should be some form of like, at some point, people need to be let go of their past. You know, we need to let go of people's past That's at a certain point. Like, how long of a punishment should be needed for, for certain crimes and things like that. So, I'll just start talking about now, but a big inspiration for this movie, it feels like, he didn't expressly say this in the book, but it's so clear from how impassioned he is about it, but he's really good friends with uh, Leslie Van Houten, who was one of the Manson girls. And okay. she, she wasn't there the night that Sharon Tate was killed, but she was there The night of the other murders and took part in those and um, he spends a long portion of his book talking about his friendship with her and really making a case for like hey i'm not downplaying anything she did with the manson family but that situation is more complex than people realize and it's like she spent over 40 years in jail and like had constant parole hearings where a psychiatrist would say she is no longer a danger to anybody else outside she's gotten a college degree in prison. She got like, um, she's read books. She's read law books. She's essentially become a lawyer herself. And they just kept denying her parole for over 40 years. And so like, um, I feel like prison reform is a big thing for him. He taught filmmaking classes to prisoners. Like he's mentioned, he mentioned it a couple of times. Yeah. I love that. So, um, I feel like that's, but that is a big thrust of this movie is this idea of like the reasoning people have for becoming maniacs or like their actions you know? Yes. Uh yeah. And it's amazing that this one it is it is down to like
1: the most petty yeah. th- things that ever happen. So one of the, the beginning uh instances is that she is crank calling her neighbor, Dottie Hinkle. <laughs> and we learn it was all because Dottie swept in and took a parking space that Beverly was waiting on. Right. That's it. That's what starts this whole thing of sending uh, explicit notes, calling her on the phone, so and it's great. The, that's what causes her to crack, right?
0: Because we don't know if she's killed anybody before this. But it seems like this is a recent thing that's starting, right? So, Right. we have to imagine that it's like the parking space is what sets her off, and she escalates from there. Yeah. And
1: it's, well, it's funny that Sam Watterson even has a moment where he's like, he thinks he understands why it all started, and he goes... Uh, like, I've I've read about this. Is it menopause? <laughs> <laughs> it's like trying to give some reasoning, but it's just, it's so funny the way that she's doing it as well. You know, calling on the phone. Uh, is this the cocksucker's residence? Oh my god. Is this one, two, four, five, pussy way? So and just is... that it's
0: Kathleen Turner's voice. Her voice, and this was, this is probably still the biggest laugh for me on my two watches, but like, her face... She like squints <laughs> yes. her eyes and she like hunches over as she's doing it. She's like like this and yeah, it's just a cocksucker. Is you know what's the area code? Is it two one two? Fuck you, yeah. Um, and yeah. so that's Mink. It's Mink Stole that, that's playing um, Dottie Hinkle, uh, longtime friend of John Waters and actor in a lot of his movies. She's in Pink Flamingos is one of the villains, um, if you can even say there's a, a there's a lot of villains in, in Pink Flamingos. <laughs> but she's one of the. Um, People vying for the position of filthiest person in the world in Pink Flamingos, and uh, she's great. She's got a great look, and I love the anytime. She, anytime Beverly talks to her, she just gets set off, and she explodes too. Like Beverly knows oh, exactly yeah. what to do to like get her get her going.
1: It's I think it's best on the the stand at the very end of the mm-hmm. movie. Like she she knows which buttons to push. Yeah,
0: but before that too, we have the police coming in asking about the note. Right. And we have That's the fucking, what I was gonna get to. The brilliant moment. Yeah, you can go ahead. Well, the 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 fact that Kathleen Turner's
1: like, I've never even said the p word, yeah. let alone written it down. <laughs> and then she
0: she gestures out to the birds outside and does tweet. tweet. Yeah. Life doesn't tweet. have to be life doesn't have to be miserable. Yeah, or have to be ugly is what she says. And then the yes. Did mm-hmm. uh, you notice too the number of birds. There's three birds. It's like her family. It's the the Aww. father and two kids. Yeah. Okay. Uh,
1: yeah, so, and she's... <laughs> she's so unassuming of a violent criminal that you're just like, okay, it can't be her. Let's yeah. move on. Uh, we get introduced to Scotty. We get introduced to Birdie, uh, Matthew Lord's girlfriend. There's also Carl, who is uh, Ricky Lake's beau. Yes. And I just, I love that she's, like, super horny throughout this whole movie. <laughs> it's like, if it's not the cop, there's the photographer... She's all into Carl, who wants her to lose ten
0: pounds, mm-hmm. and she's just into it. We set up the the very fun subplot too of uh, Misty selling stuff at the flea market, and the, I think this is the, the part Pee-wee where Wee it's Herman like, oh, a, you know, a, a genuine Pee Wee Herman doll, yeah, uh, which is fantastic. I love and that. It is, when little Carl shout out shows up, he's
1: like, oh, that guy's a creep. Yes,
0: because <laughs> this, this must is, have been like. I think it's
1: right it's, after.
0: Yeah, so around that time. Yeah, right. Um, uh, so that's great. We also get a, a quick glimpse to their first viewing of uh, Gus and Sloppy, the garbage men, because uh, Beverly waves them. at them at the window. Yeah, they're fucking uh, fantastic.
1: Yeah, I'm. Yeah, we're definitely gonna spend some time on Gus and Sloppy. But uh, so there is a PTA meeting that day, and Beverly goes. She brings uh, what was it? Fruit bread, fruit cake. Fruit Fruitcake. cake. Yeah. yeah. Um, to it and you know apparently chip's a very good student but he is obsessed with horror films uh to the point where he even asked his dad if he ever saw a henry <laughs> portrait of a serial killer oh yeah like, chip, o- is a, obviously chip is a a man not. after
0: my own heart yes yeah Um uh, do you think he would listen to our podcast oh absolutely yeah i mean i think matthew liver yeah. is listening right now
1: actually well, hi yeah. matthew mm-hmm. uh i just saw you in the twin peaks return
0: you're phenomenal Oh yeah mm-hmm. i watched that we finally ago. started yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, gearing up for another Scream movie. That's the other thing I was going to talk about. Like, I forgot to mention that up top. Yeah, Scream Mania is hitting L.A. at least. There's like it's it'll be soon. I just yesterday I went to a um, there's a place out here in, in Burbank called the Mystic Museum, which is a horror and oddities themed little like museum that got a great horror gift shop. Buy a lot of cool horror merch and shirts and stuff. You can also buy like animal bones and and like you know. Uh, 19th century dentist tools if you want it's it's pretty crazy Ooh. um but they did a whole like scream trivia thing yesterday so i won a scream well, six cup and tote bag for answering two questions correctly yeah but um well congrats and then there's, there's just like billboards everywhere there's a coffee shop near me that's horror themed that's doing scream stuff scream we, i mean it's all set in new york but i feel like in los angeles right now it's like all a buzz well you know it's funny because this is the first time it's not in california yeah. right? i know right and i feel like scream 5 didn't have this big of a promotional push going on out here at least right right
1: uh so the teacher is very rude about chip it seems and that that's enough that's all it takes uh so she runs him over with her station wagon there is a girl <laughs> smoking pot by a tree who sees it and just kind of... I love that she looks at the joint and then runs away. Like, that's always a nice trope in a movie when the person under an influence sees something bizarre. And then they immediately, like, look at whatever they're drinking or smoking. There's,
0: like... Shooting up. There's, like, four um, Roger Moore, James Bond movies in a row where something happens and a guy looks at a bottle of wine like, huh? You know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh, what happened? So, okay, this moment of hitting the hitting the teacher, I was shocked this wasn't an IMDb trivia, but there's a couple times in different John Waters movies where somebody gets hit by a car. Um, and it is inspired by a time where John Waters was driving with a friend, and an old man just wasn't looking, stepped into the road, and John Waters hit and killed him. And the way he described wow. it in the book of the guy flipping up on top of the car... Is exactly how it happens in serial mom and then he even says like it's i put it in some I, it's an image that just stuck with me and so like, i put it in a couple of my movies like serial mom when the teacher gets hit so a policeman witnessed it happen and entirely no fault of john waters they were like that you couldn't have done anything the guy just like stepped out not looking right like it, it, it's an unfortunate thing that just happens but um, man, man,
1: that's so insane to be like, okay, this happened to me, and now I'm going to make it in movies, like, in a in a comedic to in a comedic relive. film. Yeah, exactly.
0: Ugh. Well, he talked about like <laughs> you know, he's like he he said too. He's like, of course, I don't wish the guy died. Like, and you know, he's like, I know that I just have like an implicit part in it, but he's like, I can't. He says, I can't let myself feel guilt because I what could I have done like it's just a thing that right. happens like and he said like there were multiple witnesses that said like he wasn't speeding he was following the law and this guy just didn't look it's just a thing that happened he wasn't distracted right yeah. it is just an interesting way to process right something like that also it's, saying, like it's an if... image that stuck with them and it's like i feel like he's and not about that specific specifically but he says in the book like you have to take what is fucked up about you and put it in your art because that's what makes it unique you know it's like if John Landis started making movies about helicopter crashes,
1: and you <laughs> yeah. would be like, "Oh, this really, John?
0: Yeah, <laughs> really?
1: Oh man, um, I do love that. It 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 charges her up so much that like she's so happy. Yeah. Uh, when she comes back home, she wants to rewatch that scene where the guy's heart gets ripped out with Chip. Yeah, in a uh, Gordon blood Lewis's blood feast. blood feast. Yes, which is have you seen right, Blood right. Feast? i did
0: i think i watched it with the joe bob uh you know commentary special it's a i can see how that movie would be influential but it's like not a that good of a movie really right
1: they refer to it as the citizen kane of horror movies um it is fun that you know chip works in the video store we get to see the video store. And there was a nice uh, one shot, like with the zombie. Yes, VHS oh, that jumped cover out to me. There yeah. in the background. Yeah. That and
0: 1941 yeah. were prominently featured.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, there was a Cobra, like, Sandy cutout yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which just, just dropped on HBO Max. So I'm going to watch it soon for oh, the I first love, time.
0: I love Cobra. Finally. Dude, honestly, I'm not even joking. That could be a Maniac March selection, actually. Oof. Um, I think we did talk about something like that before. I think I, I mentioned at some point that we could Possibly fit it into a category and we still do might that, Yeah right. we'll, we'll do that I don't think it's gonna happen this month But like um, <laughs> at some point We could do Cobra yeah uh,
1: it, so, it counts uh, I, Again she's so charged up that her and Sam Waterston have like amazing <laughs> Loud sex uh, I, the I way love Sam Waterston The way they movie. are like
0: bouncing Like off right. the bed It is, yeah.
1: it is so comedic but uh, I only noticed this on my second watch of when they're in bed and she's reading this bird book, you get to look inside the book and it's like pictures of Charles Manson and yeah. other serial killers. You know, like how people
0: put Playboys or something like inside of a book. And she like the strokes are... Manson's face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the Manson stuff too. I mean, oh. like Manson is kind of a director's trademark for Waters too, because he dedicates um one of his early movies, I think it's Multiple Maniacs, uh, one of the characters takes credit for the Manson killings in that. Ooh. Um, they say, like, oh, yeah, you know, like, that Manson guy got all the credit, you know, whatever. Like, they, they hint at it. And then he dedicated Pink Flamingos to the Manson girls. And he talked about his book. He's like, wow. I was young and stupid about it. I was being very insensitive. That's before... He got to knew Leslie Van Houten, but he attended the Manson family trials. I don't think he went to Manson's trials, but he's he was in the courtroom for like every hearing about the the Manson when Manson family went on trial and like has spoken to basically all of them. I think all the followers, at least I don't think he ever talked to Charles. But um, wow,
1: I had no idea about this. Like, this is a very interesting aspect. It's like a subject
0: that he was he says, like, from the moment he read about it in the newspaper, about it happening, he was like, it became an obsession for him. And so like, uh, and it started out as something that like, you know, obviously he's somebody that just like his entire MO is loving outsiders and transgressive people who buck the norm. That's his entire philosophy and like way of life. But maybe enjoys being a little shocking. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like he, he says like, I don't, he's always said like, I wanted to be loved for being notorious. Like, and that's the type of people that inspire him, are these people that, like, are are not popular or famous for good reasons. And he said when he was, like, he said that when he was younger it came off as a little, like, blasé, too blasé. It's like, it was insensitive of me to, like, talk about it as much as I did and do what I did in my, and talk about the way I did in my movies because, like, there were real people with real families. And then, like, as he came to learn of who, especially Leslie Van Houten was, like, his perspective on it really changed. But he still maintains interest in that stuff. But it's more of like a... Sure. you know, it, it it's a, the whole thing. Yes, exactly. Right. And yeah. so, when, so when she's worshipping Manson, I feel like that to him is like a window into psychology of this character. That possibly she herself is... Because he's talked about, like, we can't imagine what those girls... What their lives were like. Where they were constantly kept high on LSD. Just at every waking yeah. moment of their life. They were they were in another plane of reality and being told about the end of days and like all this stuff. And so I feel like race wars. Yes. I I feel like her loving Manson is maybe a hint that like she's under the influence of something too. Is it this like housewife society, you know, mindset that she is trapped in that is causing her to do this stuff, you know? Yeah.
1: Or is it menopause? Is it, or is it just, is it just, we don't know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's probably it. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh we get the the neighbor rosemary who doesn't recycle and mm-hmm. that like really pisses her off and that also pisses off gus and sloppy yes to garbage man that is it's this is wonderful. one of the best scenes i in really the movie. love it yeah and that she she brings them many bottles of liquor um, <laughs> even that like, is so great good. yeah it's a spot but then yeah. they, they, they see it's like that goddamn litter bug Oh man, I wish someone would kill her.
0: Oh, so I wrote <laughs> down I wrote down the lines here. It's um you know, she cost the taxpayers millions of dollars last year, but for she don't her, care hey, nothing hey. for the national budget. Yeah. I wish yeah. somebody would kill her. <laughs> yeah. Uh we also I think we skipped over the scene too of um The police come to question. The police come to question, but there's a there's a dinner scene where um they're talking about like we're uh, Missy has some line about like, oh, that would make me happy, and that's like that was our family is allergic to that or something like that. And it's like, no, I'm happy, aren't you happy? We're all happy. And then Chip has a great line of, I'm so happy, I could shit. Uh and it's like Well, and then she yeah. goes,
1: Hey, you know how I don't like the brown word <laughs> That's great. I just love that's oh, what yeah. she calls it, yeah. Uh so yeah, there's that, then there's a, a scene with uh one of our first cameos is Rosemary and Dottie Hinkle are watching television of a Joan Rivers talk show right. about serial hags, about women who love, you know, prisoners or murderers that are behind bars, and, you know, basically, uh, Beverly Sutfin, she comes in and there's the there's the great scene where she's she's like taunting Dottie Hinkle of being like, oh, Rosemary, are those pussy willows <laughs> and just just the lean in of how when she says it she knows what she's doing yeah. and it drives Dottie up a wall her it's performance so here
0: is so fucking fantastic so we i can't state enough to we've we've praised waterston we praise other people in this movie but like kathleen tenner is fucking incredible i she's she, great she's so good and there's a quote from um roger ebert i read like his review of this was that like he liked it, and he says, like, he gave it, like, two stars out of four. He's like, there's some really good stuff here. But, like, Kathleen Turner, he's like, it's a very good performance. But she plays it more, like, sick crazy than than funny crazy. And that, to him, b- made it like, oh, well, I, he's like, I guess he was like, I just feel bad for the character. Because she's clearly having a break. Having and, a mental break. Right. And is playing this, like, a true psychopath. But I I love that about the movie, and that to me is just—it's
1: the perfect tone.
0: Yeah, but it adds the perfect thing because I I mean, obviously this is a straight comedy, but it is also still taking the psychology of the character seriously, you know. And it's not that she's just like a kooky Woody Woodpecker type character, you know. It's like she she has her moments. She kind of feels like a real person, yeah.
1: Right. Especially with like in the scene where she breaks the Franklin Mint Fabergé egg right. and then immediately blames
0: Dottie. But just like the To the, get the, Rosemary out the thing. The yeah, kind the of like weird impulsiveness of her actions too. Like yeah. it it's like she she says the Pussy Willows thing, she immediately, without hesitation, grabs the egg and then like smashes it on the floor and like and it's kind of scary. It's honestly a little intimidating when she does it. Like um I, yeah, I, I really love her in this, and I also just want to shout out to the actress playing Rosemary Ackerman. Ackerman is uh, Mary Jo Catlett. Did her voice sound familiar to you? This I've se- I know I've seen her in things. This might be you might be a the generation above this, and said it may not have hit as big with you, but she's she's Mrs. Puff in SpongeBob. Um, she had an inflection uh, on a word. The teacher. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. The the driving teacher right yes
0: she had an inflection on a word i was like oh shit mrs puff yeah um who is as I, I watched a lot of spongebob as a kid i'm that generation where like it became a thing when i was you know just the right age and so like then that character of mrs puff is really funny um and so i'm a big fan of mary joe cat um cat uh caitlin Catlet i think is it is that yeah. okay and I think she's very funny in this, too. She's got some good moments coming up in the at the swap meet. Yeah.
1: The the flea market is basically what's next, is uh, Carl had stood up Misty, and so she was heartbroken, and Beverly and Rosemary show up, and uh, Rosemary's looking for a new Fabergé egg, and buys her a poker, like a, a blowpoke, almost is what it is. I love that she, she doesn't want to pay $100 for a chipped egg. And then switches the price
0: tags on the blow poke. So that that moment, though, I love that. Because there's, there's, are, there's so many other little moments in this movie of other people committing crimes or just doing weird, weird shit. And then still judging. Right. And obviously this is part of the satire. But they still judge Beverly for what she does. But everybody in the movie has these secrets or this like other things they do. You know what I mean? These little transgressions that they make in the society that's not, like, it's outside of what's pleasant or whatever, right? Or what's proper yeah. for their for who they're supposed to be.
1: You know, it's, it's almost like Sam Waterson is the only innocent person in this But even then, movie. he
0: has that line about menopause. Like, he's got this view, right? Like, he's not... Sure. And, I don't know, he's a little repressed, because he's like, oh, I didn't think we you wanted to with the sadness. Oh, definitely. Whatever. Yeah. Um... Also, too, I just want to—I want to bring up like uh, at the swap. There's something. Wait, what? Well, fuck. What was it? Oh, the other good cameo in this, if we can count as the cameo, is the guy buying the Don Knotts painting. Oh, great! <laughs> fucking
1: Don Knotts. <laughs> Can't believe coolest.
0: it. Fucking Don Knotts. He's the coolest. That is so good. That is so fucking funny. It's oh. it's
1: funny. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Beverly sees Carl there with another woman, and. They buy the egg. They buy a a poster, and then he's like, "Ah, I gotta take a piss," and in the uh, u- urinal, the bathroom, Beverly kills him with the blowpoke. It's so insane. She just rams him through, and there's like a giant piece of it looks like liver. It is to yeah, me. and it it it's so funny that like her trying to get it off the blowpoke. Yeah, it's a nice callback
0: to the blood feast scene they're watching too. Right.
1: Right. And doesn't take any precaution to like wipe it down, wash it off, or anything. Uh, we didn't mention there's a pervert in the urinal. <laughs> Marvin Pickles, like making a right, yeah. who's making a, a, a glory hole, who leaves out. But it's uh, he's Chef's got a, kiss. He's got a great look. He's he's great in the the courtroom scene. But uh, Chef's kiss, the topper of the scene is she goes and flushes the urinal on <laughs> <Carl's> <laughs> on his head. head. Yeah. It's so great. I love it.
0: Um, I think. I think. Intercut with this, all this flea market stuff is. Uh, we were at uh, Eugene's dentistry office, right? And he's Mr. Seeing, Mrs. Sterner, yes. And they're they're in there. I I love this scene. The, he lingers on the drill and the tooth for just long enough. Like it's that's fucking hardcore, actually, to where you I'm, feel it, right? Yeah, I'm not even normally like oh, tooth pain gets me kind of a guy, but like. That one was done well enough, and you get the great line: "You're worse than the dentist and the marathon man." Yeah, which I knew <laughs> yeah. I knew you would love that. Yeah, um, but the police come in and, and they're starting to suspect Beverly at this point. Um, they found books that are right. like serial killer, true crime novels. Yes.
1: Um, so his his suspicion is, is you know ratcheting it up to the point where he goes home and is then looking for evidence and one of the funniest scenes of yeah. you know, going through all of her stuff uh finding these things a signed picture of richard speck <laughs> which is yep. great yes and then another of the great cameos is he finds a cassette tape and puts it into the player it's ted bundy on yeah. well it's it's ted bundy on death row played by john waters yeah and it's fantastic
0: I'm six days from an execution Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, That's really good Apparently there's a Christmas card in there too That is a Christmas card that John Wayne Gacy Made for somebody else Okay um, It belongs to Dennis, Dur- uh, Dennis Dermody Who I think is another sugar killer And it was hand painted by John Wayne Gacy uh, Waters borrowed the card And inserted it into the scene as an inside joke So uh, That's a nice little touch in there um, that's what this, some of the things movies is about is about the, the fan culture for serial killers too. And like the, the true crime kind of lifestyle, which it's funny that this came out in the nineties when that was already a thing. And it's like, I feel like that only ever, it only got bigger and bigger. Oh, as exactly. As time goes on.
1: Yeah. And that's, I think most of the commentary from this movie is it's like all these people are judging Chip and his right. love of violent horror movies. Violent yeah. horror movies. But then on the flip side, we have all of these people who are circling around true crime, not just Beverly, but like once the, the crimes are being broadcast or, you know, are hitting the zeitgeist, like everybody's obsessed with it to the point where there's going to be a TV movie of the week type of right. thing. Like it's still glorifying these acts and like what's happening. It's just since it's not fictionalized, it's a different aspect yeah. of it and
0: it's 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 cool it's interesting because like i feel like we have that scene right at the beginning we talked about with eugene saying like you know oh he should be put to death like the hillside strangler but right. it's like we have the public making these big statements about these people but it's like that's one case that is one case where we have a murderer and things like that like going back again to the van houten stuff like there are so many multitudes of like these types of people and we can't make these like snap judgments based off of like a couple of them who are, are notorious. And I would say somebody like Ted Bundy is like a societal problem. That guy killed so many fucking people and proved that he would not stop, you know? So it's like, what do we do about something about somebody like him? But we can't exactly base our entire system of like forgiveness and corrections and capital punishment on these select few, you know what I mean? Because it's like right. population wise, it's not black so and many, white, right? Exactly, yeah. Um,
1: there's there's all the shades of gray and yeah and, it, and the sensationalism how...
0: yeah the sensationalism of true yeah. crime is is maybe harmful for like our the choices we make in terms of imprisonment and things like that you know who knows I
1: mean we've talked about it before like just just the idea of saying like a podcast name is my favorite murder like that's yeah. kind of fucked up oh yeah
0: seriously it, it is really crazy like I mean I, I saw somebody tweet recently I was like it's fucking wild to say you're a fan of true crime. It's like, oh, you like murders and people killing each other? Like Jesus. But at the same time, I I have to admit there is a a fascination that I have with the true crime genre. Like I, I, I dive into it sometimes and I'll, um, I'll, I'll read a true crime book or I'll watch a a documentary series about serial killers or something. I've been to the, there was a museum of death here in Los Angeles um, I think it's closed now, but I, I took a first date to the Museum of Death. Uh, and I think you've uh, talked
1: about that on yeah. the podcast as well, yeah. And
0: fucking crazy, the first room you walk into is the serial killer room. And they have paintings up by John Wayne Gacy and paintings up by David Berkowitz. And it's like, and, you know, handwritten letters from these people and things like that. Like, framed and curated and, like, you know, put up with little plaques describing who they were and their actions. And in the gift shop, you can buy t-shirts with their faces on them and it's like what the fuck are we doing here man this is absolutely like unreal we get into that at the
1: end of this movie as well of just like once the trial happens there's they're selling merchandise outside There's shirts there's pins you know the photographer guy like wrote a book and is you know signing uh uh, copies what the one woman's like
0: can you make it out to a future serial model <laughs> those people are fucking fantastic like those are and she's yeah. like
1: yeah i have my reasonable doubts about it
0: one of my favorite lines is one of those women there but I can, we can talk about it later but yeah
1: uh we skipped over when someone finds carl in the bathroom there's the ah real monster scream yes which i'm sure yeah. has like it's not the wilhelm scream but is like i'm sure there is a title for that but i noted it i noted it down one.
0: it's called the howie scream
1: the Howie scream. Yes, okay. but
0: I, I love that that's my that's my favorite of the stock screams. Whenever that yeah. pops up, it really makes me laugh.
1: Yeah. Uh and Ricky Lake is like distraught when she sees that Carl's dead. And it's so funny that Kathleen Turner's like, Isn't this is what you asked for? You know, this is this is what she wanted. You said Carl stood me up, I want him to die. And the it girlfriend
0: happened. the girlfriend he has too is the funny moment of she's crying over Carl's body. And then she, and then sees, she the sees the detective, and it's just yeah. like, yeah. So that, that, that... Uh, He's a handsome guy. The girlfriend is Tracy Lords. I don't know if you know who she is, but she was a former porn star. Yes, um, I've heard her
1: name before. Yeah,
0: and she's in Blade. She's the vampire in Blade that is bringing the guy to the blood rave in the beginning. Okay, okay, yeah. yeah. Um So she's an interesting case where she was an adult actress. Well, that's the controversy about it. Um, is that she was doing porn in the early eighties, but she falsified her age and it was not legal for her to be making that stuff. Ooh. And I think it was determined in a court of Yikes. law that all the filmmakers were innocent because they they just, you know, they yeah. she had like falsified documents and stuff. And so, um, she got into a lot of controversy for that, somehow still made her way into like mainstream acting. It's pretty interesting. Um you know, not that she's, like, a huge actress or anything, but she's a recognizable face. Like, and she's great in bright She's really good in that. Um, so, yeah.
1: Uh, there's the funny scene of they're all around the dinner table. And, again, Beverly seems just, like, happy and chipper. And Chip says, well, Scotty thinks you're the killer. And it's so great. She, like, kind of laughs it off. And then she's like, well, excuse me. And then just leaves and gets in the car. Yes. And everyone's like, oh, She's going to go kill Scotty. We got to, we got to try to protect him. Uh, it's funny. There's also a, like, cop following her. So she loses the tail. Everyone goes to Scotty's house while she kills Mrs. and Mr. Sterner. Uh, she, she just goes to the house. She doesn't seem to have any intention of killing them until she sees one, they're eating Cornish game hens or or like like a very small chicken. Right, they each have their own, their own chicken, and she gets flashes of the birds, which is great. Yeah, and then it seems to it, be a that rare they insult her, her husband.
0: Yeah, I mean that's the thing. All the murders are motivated by her family. It's not even her, right? It's not even people insulting her. It's like, or in a roundabout way, it's insulting her as a mother and, a, and like a homemaker, right? But like, um, it's all I to, would. It's all to protect her family. I would say family. two. I would say there's two. That's like
1: protecting herself and or just her insanity sure uh, and we'll get to them but like yeah both mr and mrs sterner so she stabs mrs sterner with scissors yeah. that rosemary brought in like a, a sewing kit at some point and then oh, this man. is one of the things that i always remembered is killing mr sterner with the ac unit yeah and just pushing it on him
0: so I just want to say, too, I really love the sound design in this movie. I feel like the, when you get to the murders, the, the stabbing sounds are really good and impactful. And yeah. Mrs. Sterner is wearing, like, a white nighty, And something about the visual of the scissors going in with the blood and, and the white night is, like, it's really good and kind of disturbing. Like, it's not really pulling back on the kills, really, you know? Um, no. And the excellent fucking touch of she's like, I think we have mice. And then Beverly is in, in the, the closet and stabs her. Yeah. And then the mouse actually does come out start biting her foot as she's dying. Like it's good. That is a that is a brilliant little touch. Like one of the weird oh, it's just a weird little thing, yeah. You mentioned her white nightgown, but it's because like she is trying to get fucked while Will of Fortune <laughs> is on. <laughs> yes, yeah. She's like the kids aren't home and she
1: like pulls out the I can't remember what they're called, but the like uh diaphragm. That's mm-hmm. what like a diaphragm and a lubricant and yes. he's so busy eating pie downstairs it's great uh but so everyone thinks that she's going to kill scotty so they go to scotty's
0: scotty house. is having the night of his life
1: he is uh bizarrely jerking off under Scre- the blanket he's... like that that weird positioning is
0: he, so crazy and he is screaming in pleasure as he is jerking <laughs> off it is so fucking Too- funny yeah, her, I believe her I wrote down her name was Chesty Morgan, and yes. they were
1: yeah. the the biggest pair of boobs I have ever seen.
0: <laughs> like, I am concerned about her back. It is interesting. Like, there's the, the nudity in this movie comes from just. I think it's only the porn that that Scotty is looking at slash watching. Right? Yeah, because he's reading well, a Playboy like, in the beginning or something.
1: Well, no, it's uh, it's called Betty Pages. So it's Betty. Like it's, pages it's, of, Betty of it's Betty, Betty page. page. Yeah, right, right, right. That's right, it. Yes. Right. But he's just, like, openly Uh, reading that in the car. (laughs) Yeah, it's
0: very funny. And then, like,
1: yeah, Sam Waterston, Ricky Lake, and Matthew Lillard pop in, and then the cops pop in, and just Scotty's so embarrassed, he goes under the blanket. Yes. And they're so relieved that Beverly is not the killer, and they come back home, they're like, Matthew Lillard's like, I kind of wish he was there for a little bit. And yeah. then she comes in with a bowl of fresh strawberries, and
0: he, he makes a joke. Matthew Lord makes a joke too. It's like I think it, maybe it's the scene before when they're joking about it. But he's like, "Oh, we could do a TV movie of the week about you," and that's literally what he does at the end of the movie, which I thought was just yeah. a nice little yeah. piece of foreshadowing. Yeah, but yeah, very funny moment too when she's driving over to the house where she's singing along. She's being chased by the police, and she turns the oh, radio it's like on. Like yeah, a daybreak. Yes. If you gotta
1: believe it's
0: just daybreak. Yeah, they play it and you, over and the the at the And you see the flashing lights like behind her too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Not a care in the world. Uh, so the next day they're going to church and there is like a police escort behind him. Like everybody in the department <laughs> is just there. The, the number of cars him. down
0: the street. Yeah. It's oh. so good. But you're so right about this scene. I mean, there's so something with the way he shoots it as like There's not even really, before you even get to the speech from the priest about capital punishment, just the view of like the people he cuts to in in the church. Like you mentioned Scotty wearing camouflage pants, but like also the photographer, it's the photographer first appears and we have like people making eyes in him and like we have just, we see the hypocritical nature of everybody in the church before even a single word is said. Something about the way that Water shoots it, like I immediately had such flashbacks of being in church and like. Just, I don't know, feeling the hypocrisy of the whole thing and like, the weirdness of the it. The
1: judgmental nature of it yeah. all. Everything. Just yeah. the
0: pomp, the pomp and circumstance being so bizarre. Like, something about the way he shot it, and maybe I'm just bringing a lot of my own Catholic baggage to it, but it really stood out to me. Um, I really love that scene. And then we get to the priest talking, and that's a whole other thing, yeah.
1: Well, <laughs> even before the priest talking, as they're on the way to church, uh, there's the menopause line, but yeah. then Kathleen Turner... Like, should have gotten an Oscar nomination for this line alone. The only cereal I know about is Rice Krispies. (laughs) It's so good. It's so funny. Yeah. And amazing. I love it. Uh, Like you said, Misty meets the photographer. They give some eyes. There's finally um, enough evidence or they, they sign off on the arrest warrant. And so there is like the bingo boys bust the bitch. Over the radio, and they yeah. go into the church. And uh, <laughs> funny enough, is Beverly sneezes on a baby. That is just, oh my like, god! It is the funniest thing. It erupts into chaos. It's so great. Just I love seeing
0: it. The, like the globus not hit a baby's face. Like what? The, it, oh god! It's so good. It's it's funny. Is that like for that, for some reason that moment I thought of Kill. I was like that must be a moment that Kill enjoys or something. But I saw on Letterbox Kill gave us like two stars. So maybe I'm yeah. wrong. But maybe she likes that scene. I don't know.
1: So it's it's uh, insanity at that point. Matthew Lillard and his girlfriend take Beverly. They're running away. They steal steal Scotty's car, and I love that. Bertie's like, "You're bigger than Jason and Freddie now, but you're a real person." Yeah, like they're they're so excited about this still, and it's like it's not affecting them enough. It's, it's still it's just inter- the I circus mean, around it.
0: I feel like there's there's moments where it does and doesn't affect them. You know what I mean? It's kind of interesting where they have these little moments of realization sometimes where they're a little panicked or weird weird out like Misty but most has of the, time, the moments right after, where, it's
1: like blasé
0: yes where Misty has the moments where she's like I saw Carl's dead body just now you know yeah. like she has that heaviness and then of course Kathleen Turner's just like well, that's what you wanted right yeah and but then later but then later deal. Misty like is, be- is feeling better about it and like is trying to profit off it i feel like there there is a good job in this like the characters aren't one note you know what i mean like oh no yeah, they they do have like differing opinions between different scenes. Like it's kind of it's kind of interesting. Um, so yeah, they they take her to hide the, at the at the video store. And Which this is whole, another this great whole scene. segment. Yeah, this whole segment is fucking incredible. Yeah,
1: with the uh, the old lady who uh, she loves Bill Cosby that age. Pretty well. Uh, Dude, seriously,
0: I cannot believe. Yes, I can't believe what a perfect fucking and delivery from that actress, too. (laughs) Yeah. Because it is supposed to be like, oh, she's touting family values while being like a fucking asshole. And what better name to drop right there than Bill Cosby? Than Bill Cosby. Almost at a point of like
1: rewind her videos.
0: Yeah, almost at a point of like, well, we know, I mean, like, it was a little bit of an open secret for some people. But it's like, did John Waters know when he wrote that line? Like, that's what it almost felt like to me. I wouldn't doubt
1: it. But uh, so she rents Annie. Yes. And then insults her mom or, or Chip's mom. And so Beverly hears that. And then automatically follows her to her right. house. Well, that's the who, thing is, like, I,
0: I don't know if this is she killed. Maybe it's multiple two reasons, but is it for the insult to her or is it for inconveniencing Chip at work? You know what I, mean? I think
1: it is the inconveniencing chip it's just the the insult to her like kind of pushes right. it and like that sort of breaks solidifies her. Yeah. it but right? I, I
0: like Chip's line of it's the influence of all those family films right mom which is just a perfect level <laughs> yeah. of sarcasm for him
1: yeah yeah uh well it's the thing of like even these these people who have those good, quote unquote good values right. are not always nice or
0: well, it's like okay if you're going to it's it's like if you're going to say that horror movies are like warping people's minds why are you an asshole if you watch family-friendly stuff (laughs) like it clearly is not having influence yeah yeah (laughs) it's very biting in that regard it's like Uh, movies are movies are only like influential and like controlling us when it's convenient for your outrage yeah right right
1: uh i almost threw up when she comes home and lets her dog lick her feet dude that is so yeah
0: fucking ridiculous absolutely disgusting. and also again one of those moments of just showing like the weird dark shit or the weird fucked up things that people do when no one is looking like Rosemary switching the price tag. We had this woman who gets off on singing Annie while her dog gets her feet. She says, lick them, get them all wet. Yeah. Uh, which is insane. Uh, So, uh,
1: Beverly comes in and she's going to stab her with a knife. Well, there's also a dog that she loves the dog. Uh, so, you know, pets, it gives it treats. She's going to stab her with a knife and then she decides to change her mind. And goes and grabs a leg of lamb to then beat her to death. Yeah. And then yells at her once she's dead, rewind.
0: <laughs> the blood on the TV made me instantly think of uh, funny games.
1: Amazing. Uh, that That's such an amazing shot.
0: On and... Annie. Yeah, over Annie. Which right, is so on Annie. <laughs> yes. Yeah,
1: yeah, as it's rewinding of the, the credits. Uh, So... Chip and Birdie are, like, trying to view it. And Birdie gets really freaked out because it's real blood. One it's of my favorite brown, lines. It's yeah. not like the movies.
0: Yeah, I want to shout out that actress. Because, like, that, that moment yeah. is so good. Um, Her name is uh, Patricia Dunco- Dunnock. Dunnock? Yeah. But that is so good. She's genuinely... She's crying. And it's, like, it wasn't red like, in the gore movies. It was brown. It yes. was real. It was real. And, again, thinking back to Funny Games like this weird dichotomy of like movie violence versus real life violence. And that's something I feel like Henneke doesn't even get at, is that real life violence does not look like movie violence. Right? It's like she said, blunt the blood wasn't red, it was brown. You know? Like that and I feel like that is a true thing, that real life blood is not gonna look like movie blood. It's never gonna be the exact same color, consistency, whatever. Um No, because we want it to pop. Yes, on exactly. Screen. We need to be able to see it. Yeah. And right. so but I, I love that moment. And again, just another case of these characters feeling like real people. It's like, she's a horror movie fan, but seeing real blood, it is genuinely different and more shocking than anything a movie could ever show. Yeah. Uh,
1: so I just want to get through this other part real quick. Of Scotty sees her kill the old woman, and so there's a chase. He says, dear God, I promise I'll never watch another sex film again. I promise, I promise. And they end up going to a punk show... At a place called Hammerjacks, at S- Sunday at like 1 p.m.
0: Yeah. That That's is just thing. very we, funny We, we do me. get like the time that all this is happening. Kind of like a true crime thing. Where it's like at this exact time she's doing this. Yeah. Right. Um, it, it's
1: a funny motif that they're trying to do. I don't think it right. necessarily works. You don't really need like, it. it, it isn't,
0: is, well, I mean, it's just kind of not really necessary at all. Yeah. It's just setting you up to, like you were saying, a true crime. It is right. based on a true story. This band is called the L 7s in real life. Okay, and there's a poster for them in Ship's room. Well, piece okay. of trivia, yeah. But they're, they're the camel lips in uh, in the movie.
1: <laughs> uh, I love that. Uh, well, one they they crowd surf Scotty, but then when Sam Waterston comes there, they also crowd surf him. Yeah, and it's just so funny that he, he doesn't want it, obviously. Uh, and so Beverly kills Scotty by dropping the lights on him, and then she has like the. Uh, a match or lighter and a spray can, so he sets them on fire.
0: Yeah, it's a real barbecue, as they say it's, later. It's maybe the weakest kill for me. Something yeah, about it—the fact I that maybe that. it's the fact that he shouts a joke out as he's being. Burn I'll never too. yeah I'll wear my son or my seat yeah
1: and then the band doesn't care like they even like I like that alcohol I, I, on I like
0: all of the band stuff and the club is a really good setting for this but it's like something like the kill itself left me wanting a little I think I think it's right around this time right before this where um they they see her driving by in the van she steals to chase Scotty and she just waves and she's waving yeah. which apparently she improvised that and it is kind of hard to see it's not like because you know, you got the reflections on the window and everything, and it's going by so fast. Apparently John Waters had no idea that she did that until he saw it at um at a premiere or something. Oh. And he wonderful. was just like and the audience laughed and he's like, I never I never even caught she did that. Yeah. Uh so at this
1: point she gets arrested and we have a five month jump, it tells us, to where she's on trial, and we get the uh next one of our cameos insanely Patricia Hearst. Yeah. Heir to the Hearst family who was kidnapped for 19 months by the Symbanese Liberation Army <laughs> until the point where like, I know she robbed one bank at least. I don't, right. I'm not sure the whole story, but she that's kind of how she got through, I, through, right.
0: through um, a case of what, you, what is it? Uh, Stockholm syndrome. Uh, Stockholm syndrome. Right. hmm. I think also she was the inspiration for the villain in The World is Not Enough. Um, Oh. (laughs) Connected with James Bond. Yeah. Um, Interesting. But yes, a real life friend of John Waters. She's in, uh, I think she's also in Crybaby. uh, Okay. I was reading. But another case of just his fascination and interest in these people that have done things like that and become like these, uh, you know, figures in American culture because of their notoriety and because of their actions. And. I think another case where as he got to, yeah, as he got to know her, he learned who she really is. And like that there's way more to the story than people realize. Um, Right. That it's not
1: black and white. There is nuance. And that like she was going through something and especially just like the way I'm sure she was raised, the, the way that they were treating her, you know, of course you're going to like, you know, identify with your captors at some point to, to rob a bank, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. I love there's uh, little bits in network that tie in to the, the Patty Hearst thing. Right. Uh, you saw that recently, right? I yeah, did. I, I watched always, it a couple months ago. I really love that. Like them kind of joking about it and that there's all these different. Organizations that are like the liberation Army <laughs> like yeah you, know, you don't know Which one it is because it's just like a great moment Where they're they're words. arguing
0: over like Contracts or something and the guy gets up and fires The gun and it's like all right now let's sit down and turn the Page like well you know like <laughs> yeah, yeah, Subsection yeah. this yeah it's so good
1: Yeah Um. Okay so she Is again just insane In these scenes I love that there's The one juror with a booger And she's like trying to help him like get it yeah. And, then, and then he's like oh thanks And then realizes who he's talking to Basically
0: and like Kind of shuts yeah. down This is where we have the people outside The family is selling the merch right. And then we have the women who it's like you know, Oh I'm up to a future serial mom And then this amazing look on this woman Like the, just the gray hair The kind of disheveled look Just like you know aged Looks like a smoker and a drinker and she's just like, I feel like killing a few people myself. Just like, it's such a perfect line delivery. Um, and I think somebody else is like, oh, yeah, you were at like the, I forget what other trial it is, but it's like they recognize each other from other, other like true oh, crime right. trials. Yes. And then she's like, yep, yep, I was there. But this, and they, she like punches a card or something, right? Like, I was at the Robert Kennedy trial or something like that. I, I uh, forget the what Kennedy it is. Kennedy Jr. Yes. Yeah. Um, but that was John Waters. He was going around to these trials and he mentions like he would build up like a friendship with other people who were like so fascinated by this that they were going to all these different things. And it's like Yeah. it became like event viewing for them, you know? Um, which is fucking you know, crazy. Before OJ, like none of this was really televised. Like
1: when yeah. was OJ? It was it, it, it was right the same year as ninety four.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Also the year I was born. Um Uh, But yes, I was, I was reading this came out like a couple weeks before the OJ stuff happened, or maybe it was in production while it happened or something. Sure. Yeah. It was around, it was, it was like neck and neck though. Yeah. Very, very
1: prophetic in that kind of idea of, of the insanity that a murder case would Mm -hmm. like generate. Uh, So she fires her lawyer. She decides to defend herself. I love that her lawyer is trying to say she's insane and she's like, "No, no, I'm not guilty."
0: Yes, um, I love the opening statement by the prosecutor, Henrietta Lee Lucas, Joan yes. Wayne Gacy. Um, I think
1: that's in the his closing argument. You're right;
0: it's, that's closing. Uh, yeah. I think before, during this time, those, we have Carl's brother like punches right. Chip and is all pissed off uh, about like your mom killed my brother, and he's like, "Well, hey, there's like a TV movement of the week coming out," right? And, he's, like he's
1: placated like immediately yeah. by being like, "Do you think we can get Jason Priestley?" <laughs>
0: Oh that's so good. It's great. Yes. And Chip is wearing like a black beret and like a leather jacket. Like he's got a crazy look. He turns look. in. Yeah. It's like a leather he turns duster. into like
1: such like Hollywood sleaze immediately. Yeah. It's great. So quickly. There's Dottie Hinkle on the stand and basically gets her to like start shouting fuck you at yes. her. Pretty great. She gets she gets, like, she gets 5 taken days in away. prison. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's the detective on the stand and then Gus and Sloppy are in the background. <laughs> and they find that he, in his trash, has a magazine that's <laughs> chicks with dicks. Yes. And he gets so mad about and it. And just, like,
0: the, the thumbs up from Gus and Sloppy when this happens is so good. <laughs> they are incredible characters. Yeah. Um, you see them, too, at church. And, like, when they're dressed up for church, it's very funny. Um, I wrote down the names of those actors. I, I, I like them. Uh, it's Bus, How- Bus Howard as Gus. And then Alan J. Wendell is sloppy. Like, they are amazing. Um, oh, God. And there's so many good moments in the courtroom. Like, it's, it's tough to name everything.
1: It really is. Going through it real quick. Uh, they get Rosemary on the stand. And I love that Beverly is able to be like, well, all of these things that happened <laughs> are like, you. they're your scissors. It's your blow yeah. poke. Um, that, you know, uh, Carl bought that Berger egg that you wanted." it. And then, like, caps it off with asking her if she recycles. Basically just, like, condemning her. Like, everybody now hates her because she's not recycling. The entire
0: courtroom has a has a <gasps> visceral reaction to it. <laughs> yeah. I will say, too, um, I forgot to even mention, the music is by Basil Polidaris, who also did movies like Conan the Barbarian and Robocop and uh, Total Recall. Wait, did not oh, Total okay. Recall? No, no, no. I think Jerry Goldsmith did Total Recall. Sorry, Anyway. Um, so great composer, and I, the music for this I think is pretty good. Especially, I noticed that when um, whenever we do see her not recycling, there's a very funny, sinister like music sting that comes on too. Yes, yeah. The
1: the music is very good, and like it, it sets the tone for like the suburban perfection. Yes.
0: and then there it's are very 90s it's like, too, which I appreciated. Yeah,
1: yeah. And then like in the murders, like it ramps up and it's very dramatic. It's yeah. very well done. Uh, okay, just going through the courtroom scene, we get the final cameo of Suzanne Summers as Suzanne Summers. <laughs> Wonderful. Everybody loves her. Like, it stops pretty much the whole court proceeding. Um, we have Marvin Pickles on the stand, who is in the bathroom, like, graffitiing on the wall. I sniff jury's underpants. <laughs> Wonderful. Just so funny. But then Beverly basically does a basic instinct under yes. the table to distract him. She keeps opening up her legs. Uh, we don't see anything. But it is very funny, the, the look on Kathleen Turner's face yeah. as she's doing it. Uh, like you said, we have the Henrietta Lee Lucas. We have the Joan Wayne Gacy. It's very funny. They find her not guilty. And Waterston's face is amazing. Like, he is such in such shock when it happens and then i love the family's conversation about like uh i guess i guess we're gonna bring her home and the photographer has become misty's boyfriend she's like you know do you do you think she'll like me yeah ricky lakes just basically like uh try not to get on her bad side yeah Yeah. uh so then we have like basically the final singer of
0: oh so she's, she's noticed her shoes throughout the whole trial Right we haven't white. even brought that up is And she that... even brings it up to her lawyer right <laughs> That's what yeah. she,
1: he was about to say She's insane But yes. she writes down on the, the legal panel On the like,
0: note she's like so it's so urgent
1: Yeah, <laughs> Juror number 8 is wearing white After Labor Day And like pointing at it like continuously uh, So they're in the hallway Juror number 8 just kind of walks by is like kind of waves and highs And then is on the phone is like yeah we found her not guilty I knew she would be not guilty from the start and that's when Kathleen Turner shows up and goes, didn't your mother ever tell you not to wear white after Labor Day? And uh, just the, uh, please, fashion has changed. No, it hasn't. <laughs> and she just beats her to death with a phone, with a pay phone. It is so Amazing. funny
0: that Patty Hearst says that in the middle of being beaten to death, too. Like, she stops yeah. to, to, like, argue that fashion has changed. Like, that is that is so fucking funny. And then yes, they're all walking out. Yeah.
1: And then Suzanne Summers like, come on, let's take a picture, and is trying to position her, and to the point where uh, Kathleen Turner just gets mad and goes, Suzanne, this is my bad side. It's her Her full good side. Suzanne Summers. Yeah, yeah,
0: this is my bad side. Suzanne Summers. And it's right after people have found the body and are starting are screaming. Yeah.
1: Right. The yell, and then you see Suzanne Summers' face like kind of question it, and then. We get Daybreak, again, over the credits, and it's fucking phenomenal. This movie is so good. Let's get into our ratings. What do we want to rate it out of? I have written down pairs of white shoes, uh, Franklin Mint, Fabergé eggs.
0: Oh, that's my pick, Franklin Mint. I mean, like, they say it so many times to the point where even Carl's new girlfriend is like, Franklin Mint. Yeah. Right. Uh, I even
1: had to look up what Franklin Mint was. I was like, okay, this is interesting. Okay, uh, I'm host, I will start. I think this is a wonderful satire. I've said it before, like, it's so biting on so many different things. Uh, Violence in the media, the circus around trials, how we're always blaming horror movies and violent video games when a lot of this is based off, like, real things. The whole idea of, like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre... Hannibal Lecter, all of these people are based off, like, a real guy. Like, this is reality. This is what's happening. And most of these people seem to want to, like, make us turn our backs on it and not realize the full horror of the, like, modern world of actual man and their, you know, deepest, darkest desires. But that it's also, as we keep saying, it's not just black and white. You know, Ed Gein was friendly to people. Like, he loved his mother. Like, there are interesting aspects about him that, like, someone could identify with and, like, you know, have a, 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 you know, a a common thread between some of the worst people of all times. It's... We we touched on this a even Even nasty people like nice things and are, like, quote-unquote nice on the surface. We have uh Rosemary like cheating a a flea market person you have the old woman who won't rewind her videos and is also like strangely perverted with her dog um it it just it really showcases the genius of tone that John Waters is it it is so such an amazing piece of film i really enjoyed it as a child you know 12, 13, whenever I was seeing this, and to see it again and get so much more out of it, and the fact that it's aged so well, that the message within it is still as relevant today as it was back then. Even more so, maybe, but just the way that true crime has really become part of pop culture and zeitgeist to that there's a 10 episode Jeffrey Dahmer miniseries like, it's, like, on one of the, you know, the right. biggest streaming services That of all is all that, that
0: caught flack for making Dahmer, like, sexy and trying to even right. position him as, like, a gay icon. Like, well, and it's, like I it's, don't know. It's if th- I, didn't series, so I, I, I didn't watch the series. So I didn't watch the series. I can't speak to what it does for him. But I did feel I I saw lots of people saying, like, you know, hey, is the is show trying to make a claim for, like, Dahmer being, like, a gay icon who broke boundaries in the in the serial killer field like is that what it's like talking about so i didn't watch the series i can't speak to that but like i that was part of right. the discussion about it like um it's like are we this fucking like desperate for like gay heroes right now that we're trying to capitalize off of dahmer as like one of the you know what i mean i mean but uh, that, that, that is a good is, point of in, like incorporating
1: it like yeah. it's, it's humanizing him and to the point of like giving the nuance of like he's not completely evil, like there is no like strictly. I mean, you could if you want to create a, a comparison, you could be like, okay, Hitler, you know, the far end of the scale. Like Jesus, apparently, would be you know the ultimate good. Like, but those like that's still hyperbole. Like it's it's insanity to think about it as black and white. It's all nuance. Beverly loves her birds.
0: You know, yeah. it's
1: it's every. Every one of us has the potenti- potentiality to like... she be loves her like, family.
0: Like, like we said, right. uh, so many of these kills are motivated by her family. And I-, I think it's so telling that the first one, the the teacher, is also kicked off by him insulting ho- fans of horror movies. And being like, right. well, clearly you're doing something They're wrong sick. as a mother. Yeah, he says you're, you're doing yeah. something wrong as a mother, is what he tells her. Because your son likes horror movies. But he's a good student. He gets along in class. He's inquisitive. And, like, you know, asks in, he participates in discussions and things like that. But you have, but but you like violent horror movies and you're obsessed with them. So you must be a bad person. And your mother must be a failure. Like, yeah. It,
1: he yes. asks if there's divorce, you know, going right. on. But um, it's great. So I even, real quick to circle back to our past movies. Pieces, I looked it up, had, like, uh, six murders what was Mm -hmm. it um and then the uh peeping tom there was like four including himself and uh beverly she gets seven she gets seven kills so she's our highest one so far this month good job beverly um i'm i'm gonna give this 4.4 franklin mint fabergé eggs it really is just Firing on all cylinders in that that satire in that poking fun of Americans and the yeah. way the, the way that we're like hypocrites of it all. So that that's my review. Greg, let me know what you're thinking.
0: Uh, Yeah, sure. So like I, I a lot of my view of this movie was colored by reading his book because like uh, there are so many things he touches on that like explain certain like ideas or moments in this as to why he would be interested in making a movie. A movie about it but it's so interesting because he himself is such a person of like interesting contradictions a little bit where he can be so impassioned about leslie van houten's situation um and while also being like he's like yes like she is a very good friend of mine you know but also i recognize the gravity of what she did and took part in and it's like just because she did like you know she has been repentant for decades now and has done all a person can do when it comes to reform it's like it's never going to erase the actions she took you know what i mean when she was a right. young person like it's never going to erase that so he he's such a smart and emotionally intelligent person like john waters on, on underneath it all you know it isn't just about shocking people it's not ex- it's not all he wants to do he really does have like you know a a genuine like sweet core to him honestly um, but like, also, he is gonna make this movie that is depicting a similar situation to a really good friend of his, and play it all for comedy and for laughs. Like, there obviously there's great commentary in here too, and great satire. But it's like the fact that he can be so close with Leslie Van Houten and make a movie that is all but in name inspired by her, and make it so overtly comedic, but also bloody and violent, and like show her as a genuine serial killer psychopath. It's like. I don't know. It shows a weird dichotomy to Waters where it's like, I mean, I, he's, he's mentioned how Van Houten is a fan of his movies. So she must've seen this, but it's like, it, it's a crazy situation, you know, to involve Patty Hearst in it all too. Like, um, it shows such an interesting, like psychology to Waters himself on top of the amazing commentary you talked uh, you talked about where it's like she, the the uproar that she causes, you know both positive and negative it's that classic thing of like there's no such thing as bad press it's all attention and it's all you know feeding this weird need we have for like spectacle and mayhem destruction you know and like yeah we're gonna chastise people for getting into horror movies but we're gonna be so fucking into the oj murders we're gonna be so so in-depth on even the fucking like johnny depp ember Heard trial we're gonna follow yeah. that and stand up signs with stand up with signs that say "I love you, Johnny" or like "I love you, Amber." She's my idol. Whatever. It's like we get so into the fucking media circus of it all that we lose sight of what is actually going on at the heart of it. That it's like, and that's the the point of the movie is it, it's it's the people are being murdered and killed, right? And like we had that great moment of like um, Birdie saying, "It was real. It was real. It's not a movie." right? Like, in, to her, it is genuinely, somebody was killed in front of her, you know? It, um, it does come to the fact, I think, like, we all love drama when it's not yeah. happening
1: to us. Like, yeah. we love gossip. Like, well, that is we, just intrinsically we, in us.
0: Yeah, and then we all get one step removed when we're watching True Crime. It's like, well, it's it's yeah. a, it's a movie, or it's a TV series, or it's a documentary, whatever. It's, even documentary, there's still a layer of unreality to it that we can step outside of, you know? Um, and I think this movie even shows, and like Waters' book talks about this little too when he's talking about um, some of the family members of the murder victims of the Wabianka family, where he's like, you know, it was real to them. That was a real family member that was taken, real family members taken from them. But even then, those people can get into sensationalism. Like, even if you're connected to it, like you have family members trying to profit off of this stuff, or you have family members getting involved in documentaries, getting involved in the movies, you know and like they they themselves who they experience it happen to them to their family even they can get swept up in it all and so like it, it is just a fascinating dissection of like our human interest in murder mayhem bloodshed violence like drama um there, there's so wrapped much up of this with a pretty bow exactly yes and uh I'll just say, once again, role models, great book, lots of interesting insights into this. He talks about how um, there's a couple of people that he cites as role models of his that lived in Baltimore that were like local drag performers, local strippers, who just had these kind of outrageous like um, lives, right? And uh, two in particular were mothers who raised very interesting children, one of which he became pretty close with. And then um, this other mother who ran a bar um, in town, she was part Native American, but she was also a hardcore Republican. She, he said that she swore more than anybody ever he ever knew in his life, and her favorite word was cocksucker, which I think is. And this is the <laughs> woman he says was the biggest inspiration for Beverly, where she was not exactly a violent person, but she had to deal with robberies all the time, and she would chase down and beat the shit out of robbers, apparently. And like, um, she had a family; she had like four or five children, and. Apparently, he interviewed all the kids for the book, and they described what it was like growing up with a mother like that, where it's like, no, she never really showed us affection, but she did love us in her own way. It's like, and she was a woman of contradictions, where, and I think part of his book becomes about that, of like, can you be an inspiration to John Waters, like these women were, where he like worshipped them, and he thought they were so amazing, and they inspired him and his outlook and everything, but then he learned oh, maybe growing up with them was a fucking nightmare, though. Maybe we're going, Maybe as a person, they weren't, like, people to be idolized. And But he's yeah. also like, can you weigh the good and the bad in these people and come out with, like, you know, like, what kind of opinion when you really, like, sort through it all?
1: Yeah. Right. There's an interesting thing from, uh, like, Jim Henson's son or daughter, and they're like, and someone told them, like, you know, it, it must have been great being raised by Jim Henson. He was like he was never there yeah. everybody loves him but like he uh basically abandoned us and that's why they had to go into the family business because that's the only way you're we're not gonna, gonna get, get to spend time right with you're not our gonna father. get any attention
0: from him otherwise yeah right um so you're right i mean i feel like this this movie and just like as a whole john waters movies are an interesting exploration of just like the multitudes that people contain you know what i mean like and even going back to Pink Flamingos, I don't know if you haven't seen it, but there is a mother son relationship in that movie that is fucking outrageous. But you could also say in that movie the mother cares for the son, even even if you're if you're looking past all the fucking insane shit they do, like it is a right. mother son relationship that like is there's genuine affection there. I don't want to say too much about it. I don't give it away because it's one of the more shocking things like that relationship. But like, um. But I I just I feel like he you're right. He's so good at satire because the satirical element, the ridiculous thing that he is laying on top of it is so fucking ridiculous that like it it is shocking and funny, but it has a surprising depth to it. Like, um, yeah, he's just fascinating. He also pointed out in the book and I can't believe I ever I never really even thought about this, but his name, John Waters, he says when he's in France and he says his name is John Waters, people laugh at him because it literally means toilet water. (laughs) <laughs> and i yeah. never considered that but that is perfect that's, for that's him that's kind of funny that is yeah. fucking perfect for him like that is that yeah fascinating guy very very interesting person um and a fascinating movie i do think if i'm criticizing the movie i, I think like i mentioned like we get to the point where the club is a fun scene where that kills is not as good i think some of the chase stuff in general is just kind of okay and it kind goes of the on a little of the movie. Long. They go on all along, yeah. and like, there are the parts of the movie where I sort of start to like check out a teeny bit, but there's always something great to bring you back. There's always a funny line. It ends on such a fucking high note. This is like a 4.3 for me. I'm not going exactly, you know, just as high as you, because um, I think it's the John Waters around it that supports the movie rather than the movie on its own being like, it is really amazing, but I feel like, I don't know. I don't know if that even matters. 4.3, though. 4.3 Franklin Mint Eggs. Yeah. Uh,
1: I said it in my Letterboxd review I think he may be the best Living American satirist uh, I, w- I would say Without a doubt Vonnegut is my favorite Of all times he was just nice. so brilliant But yeah. uh, you know unfortunately He's dead so <laughs> we're gonna Move on then uh, Greg do you want To tell us about what we're gonna be watching next week For Maniac March
0: Yeah I want to Explore something um, A little different it's funny we talk about The true crime element this week, and this is going to be a movie that, uh, in a way, is a sort of true crime story. It is based off a real person, and I think the only one we're picking this month that is depicting a real killer, uh, kind of. I want to talk about Spike Lee's Summer of Sam from 1999. Ooh, nice. Yeah, starring John Leguizamo and... Um, Adrian Brody. Adrian Brody, written by Michael Imperioli of of The Sopranos. right. Right. Yes. And uh
1: yeah. We're doing a Spike Lee joint, finally. Spike
0: Lee joint. Hell yeah.
1: Yep. All right. I'm excited. This is another one like about the same age as Serial Mom. Like I definitely watched it and probably was not like getting everything out of it. It was just so weirdly powerful in the way that he's telling it that I'm It's a
0: bizarre movie that I'm excited to rewatch. It's fucking crazy. Um I yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. Great.
1: Well, uh, until then, you can always please remember to rate, review, and subscribe anywhere you get this podcast. You can always reach us, email at weeklypodcastmassacre at gmail.com. We have both Twitter and Instagram, both at Weekly Massacre. So hit us up. Let us know if you have any correspondence with serial killers that have been on death row. (laughs) If you know how to get Patty Hearst into one of our movies, that would be fantastic. If you can get me that tape of Chesty Morgan on that on uh, Scotty's TV, you know, slide into my DMs, baby. Uh, until <laughs> next time, uh, the only cereal I know about is Rice Krispies.
0: <laughs> She's cost some taxpayers millions of dollars, but she don't care nothing for the national budget.
1: <laughs> oh, Brilliant. wonderful! Goodbye, everybody. goodbye. <laughs>